Hi everyone, I'm Kelsey. I'm Colton. Let's, Let's get, get weird, weird together. together. Hello everyone. Hi, welcome to our podcast. Welcome back to our podcast to some of Jesus. Yeah, our podcast. Our podcast. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for stopping by, guys. Don't you know. <laughs> Best podcast this side of the Mississippi. Doesn't really make sense for the accent. I don't know how how used that phrase is across the country. Probably not very. It's probably a pretty southern thing. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't taken any polls. We should. We should, we should travel around to every state and poll random strangers as to whether or not they regularly use the term this side of the Mississippi. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure we have listeners in other states than our own. We have one Canadian listener. One whole Canadian. Thank you. As opposed to part of a Canadian. Yeah, that would be weird. Thank you, Canadian person. Yes, we appreciate you. you. We really do. Um, I personally only know one person in Canada, and I don't think he'd listen to the podcast. Actually, I don't even think he lives in Canada anymore. So, yeah. All right. So I hear, I hear that you have the story of an American legend for me. A true American legend. A true American legend. Yes, absolutely. An American hero, almost. Almost. Maybe. Yes. Depending. Depending on what you're into. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to be talking today about Colonel Harlan Sanders. He is the founder of a a little known, um, just teeny tiny little restaurant uh, known as KFC. Have you heard of it? I have. Okay. When was the last time you had KFC? It's been like a couple of years. I'm not super big on fried chicken. I I love fried chicken. I just got burnt out on it being raised in the South. That's fair. It That's was like fair. three meals a week was some kind of fried chicken. Oh. We didn't, my mom didn't like cook a whole lot. So KFC was one of the things in rotation. And I really liked it then. But a couple of shoot it might have actually been last year i got just on a kfc kick where i ate it a lot i i think i had it maybe 12 times last year but also the lady who worked there she was so nice yeah she'd always give me like a free extra side of fries because she she liked me and she called me baby (laughs) oh baby you take this don't tell no one now (laughs) and i'm not gonna say which kfc it was because i don't want her to get in trouble and I ain't no snitch. <laughs> she was the best, though. So, September 9th, 1980. Nope. September 9th, 1890. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers. Yes. I can read. So, that's when Harlan David Sanders was born. He was born in Indiana uh, on a farm near the Kentucky border. I have never looked at a map. Uh, I don't know where in relation Kentucky is to Indiana. So, I don't know if that's like it North is, Kentucky. It, it is south of Indiana. It is south of Indiana? Okay, so that, that would make this North Kentucky. Yes. Well, it's in Indiana on the Northern Kentucky border. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wait, wait. You said Kentucky is south of Indiana? Yeah. Okay, so that would be the, the Southern Indiana border. Sorry, right? Because it's at the bottom of Indiana. It's close to Kentucky? Yeah. Okay. Listen, geography has never been my forte. (laughs) I passed that class with a solid C. But I also had a public school education in Oklahoma. So, yeah. (laughs) 
That's why we're learning so much stuff now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got to make up for a lot of lost time. Also, my high school burned down, I think my freshman year. <laughs> and so after that, my teachers just kind of gave up on teaching because we also didn't have books for other things. We we barely had buildings for the next like two or three years. It's It's amazing that I have gone as far in life as I have. Everything I've learned, I, I, I learned in college, not in high school. My guidance counselor actually said that uh, I wasn't going to go to college. He said that I should check out trade schools. So, huh. Peach of a guy. Peach of a guy. Okay, anyway, so his father, Wilbur, was a butcher and his mother was a Christian. That's how I read it. So I guess being a Christian is a career path. It's a full-time job, at least. <laughs> Definitely. She would constantly tell her children about how you don't want to drink alcohol, you don't want to gamble, you don't want to use tobacco, you don't want to have fun, because this was a farm in the 1800s. What else is there to do? Tip cows, maybe? Yeah, and they didn't have meth back then, so... Oh, they sure didn't. Uh, when he was five, his father died after coming home with a fever. Doesn't say what caused the fever, but... Once it hits 101 in the 1800s, you're done for. That's like dead. D-E-D dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after that, his mother had to go work at a canning factory. And she had to work apparently like days at a time. Like she would have to stay the night at this canning factory. And Harlan said, a quote, We didn't have no babysitter or nothing, but we did fine. We knowed enough not to burn the house down. They, they definitely were, were reading a lot while she was gone. Clearly. When Harlan was 12, his mother remarried, and he didn't really get along with his stepdad. Uh, it says so he moved out, which I think is kind of a funny way to put that. <laughs> this 12-year-old moved out. He ran away from home. He was 12. Well, I mean, in the 1800s, 12, 12 is like... like 30. Yeah. So. Like, he should have had a child by then. He bounced around Indiana for the next three years working various jobs, which, by the way, is a very common theme. He has had so many different career paths. So anyone out there who bounces from job to job, you should feel pretty good about it because he clearly came out on top. Took him a while. Took him a while to get there, but he did it. So during these three years, he was a farmhand, a horse carriage painter, streetcar fare collector. He even went back to school for a little bit, but he dropped out uh, after the sixth grade. He later stated, the teacher started us on algebra and told us X equals the unknown quantity. That doesn't sound no good to me. If there's an unknown quantity, I wanted to find out about it. Else, I didn't want to mess with it. That's where me and the school parted. Yikes. In 1906, at the age of 16, he enlisted in the army. So he must have lied about his age. Uh, He was deployed to Cuba, but he got horrible seasickness on the way to Cuba that caused him to lose 41 pounds at 16. Good God. I know. How much could he have possibly weighed? Because people were tiny back then. Yeah. It's like... He, I could use some 41-pound losing seasickness. Homie, me too. Me too. So after only four months, he was honorably discharged. He moved to Alabama and got a job cleaning locomotive engines. He worked his way up to be a steam engine stoker, which is also known as a fireman. 
that tripped me up a lot, by the way. Um, Because I keep thinking that he was a fireman, but no, he's a fireman. So it's the person who like shoveled coal into the steam engine. And it was here that he picked up the habit of swearing a lot. And this continued for the rest of his life, which remember that because later on in our story, it's going to come back up. How bad do you think swearing was back then? Do you think it's like it is now? Because I use fuck like a comma. I mean, I, I'm kind of curious to hear what a, a tirade of swear words in the early 1900s slash late 1800s sounded like. Gosh darn it, you dadgum knucklehead. Have at you, you rapscallion. <laughs> that sounds a little older than 1800s. I've had somebody refer to me as a rapscallion. Who? I mean, an old person, but... Still? Yeah. How old? She was pretty old. <laughs> Why did she call you a rapscallion? Because I was a little troublemaker when I was a kid. Yeah? You don't say? Yeah. <laughs> I definitely outgrew that. 100%. 100%. I, I, thought, I thought you'd be like an altar boy or something whenever you were younger by just how... Just... Yeah. I, <laughs> I give off that vibe. that The altar boy vibe. Definitely. Just so so kind and i'm kind kind of of an asshole (laughs) (laughs) so in 1909 harlan met and married josephine king and in 1910 they had their first kiddo who was a daughter named margaret he was 19 at this time and in 1912 they had a son harlan jr harlan became uh, an engineer man Oh, so sorry, sorry. Harlan became very involved in the union, the Brotherhood of Locomotive Firemen and Engineermen. This pissed off his bosses because they were like union busters. And he had a really short bout of motion sickness while he worked for them. And they fired him for it because he was in with the unions and they just they didn't they didn't like that. After that, he got a job doing railroad maintenance, but he was really salty about that because he wanted to work on the trains. He said that he liked working on them because they gave him the feeling like he was sitting on top of the world. But, I mean, he was like inside the train shoveling coal into what I assume is like a giant fireplace. That sounds a little more like hell than the top of the world to me. I mean, if you consider that trains were like the peak of transportation technology at that point that's true maybe maybe being able to sail or sail on a train across the country sounds kind of fun i could be a hobo uh actually i actually knew a guy who uh he rode the rails around for a while just because he wanted to experience a different life really cool dude yeah he's a he's a paramedic now So Harlan quit working on the tracks and became a fireman in Virginia. And he lives in Indiana right now. So he just left his family to go work in Virginia. Uh, His wife was not super happy about this. And she had a very rational reaction. She uh, sold all of their furniture, tore the house down and ran away with the kids. And he found out about this because his brother-in-law just wrote him a letter and told him. (laughs) What a horrible way to find out. But also what a dick move to just move across the country 
was really not that far, but like I, I don't know. I mean, we don't know if there was a conversation that happened before that where he was like, "Hey, I got this job doing what I want to do, but I got to go to Virginia." Maybe things were rocky beforehand, and she used this as an excuse. I don't know. I wasn't there. We don't have a backstory. We just see cause and effect. Yep. So uh, he said, after a while, I got homesick to see my family, especially the children. And I thought of a plan to kidnap them. There's a heavy wooded area that was on the side of the house and a home in Jasper. My plan was to lie in them woods until the children came out to play. Then I'd pick them up, head to the railroad station, just kidnap them. The kids never came outside, though. So he just walked up to the front door like a normal person like a normal person i want to know what he planned to say like kids around do you need to go run an errand i haven't seen you in months (laughs) whatever he said um, must have worked because josephine forgave him and took him back like immediately maybe he cooked dinner for her maybe maybe you made and used those 11 herbs and spices i mean maybe Gave her his special blend. Yep. Secret herbs and spices. Yep. That's, I mean, that's my headcanon. That's. that's (laughs) No, baby, I know I left you. I moved to another state. Chicken. (laughs) Chicken's so good, it'll get your wife back. That'd have made a great slogan. Now there's a slogan. (laughs) (laughs) So he ended up getting a new fireman job in Tennessee, and this time he used his thinking brain. And he brought his family with him. Ah, <laughs> yeah. smart move. Turns out that was the answer all along. That's all I had to do? Just bring you guys with me and you wouldn't have left? <laughs> so they moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, which is a lovely place if you've never been. I, would, I wouldn't mind living in Arkansas because it's really pretty there. It's fairly cheap. Definitely more stuff to do than here. Eh, I don't know. There's more like outdoor stuff to do. Yeah, that's right. There's not there's not a lot of either outdoor things or social things to do here. But if you want to do drugs or play on well sites, man, <laughs> Oklahoma's got you. So while he was there, Harlan got another fireman job and he also started studying law via letters. I have no idea what this means. So I just kind of assume it's like whenever you put a quarter in an envelope to try to buy some x-ray specs from a magazine, and then they just mail you back a how-to lawyer guide. Now my, uh, my nana actually got her degree in teaching by correspondence. So she like signed up with the class, and they would send her a chunk of coursework, and she would complete it and send it back, and then they'd send her the next chunk of coursework, and so on and so forth until she got her degree. That is so cool. I wish I had that option, which I mean, online. Uh, Yeah, it's basically like online school before online school existed. That's so cool that I had no idea that that happened at all. Um, I have two friends that are either currently a lawyer or trying to finish being a lawyer. And I bet they wish they had that option. So Mary, Chelsea, you guys are bad bitches for doing all this during COVID. Too bad they couldn't just mail in the stuff would yeah. have been a lot easier they just don't, like go to class and stuff hmm. huh. so he'd been learning all his law stuff with his letters and when a train jumped the track in his town he used his new law knowledge to help the victims get proper compensation from the railroad company that he worked for so they uh they were not best pleased and he was immediately fired 
I don't know. I, I just can't imagine why. So for him, this was a sign that his calling was to be a lawyer. And he started practicing in the Justice of the Peace Court, which if you don't know what the Justice of the Peace Court is, it's kind of like, you know, light court, court light. Um, they, they overhear like minor traffic violations, misdemeanors. You can get married by a Justice of the Peace. Just small claims and debts, landlord, tenant disputes, stuff like that just a random fun fact for you he was once arrested for assault and battery for trying to beat the shit out of his own client with a chair i mean anyone who's worked retail understands oh yeah absolutely <laughs> um and chairs were much hardier back then too it probably oh, wasn't yeah. like a folding chair it was like a probably like a hand carved oak chair which whew, that'll do some work Later on, Harlan got a case that he was sure he could win. And he didn't. <laughs> he did not win at all. And it left his client bankrupt. And he didn't get any money. So he was pretty pissed. And at the time, the Arkansas State Senate was proposing a bill to severely limit the powers of the Justice of the Peace Court. Harlan was so salty that he lost that he decided to testify in favor of this bill. And he used the case that he just lost as evidence to support that the Justice of the Peace Court should be limited. The bill ended up passing. And later on, he said, I began to realize that I'm not as smart as I thought. You see, maybe I made a big hit in the hearings, but I knocked myself out of the job. <laughs> so. Uh, again. Again. Thinking ahead does not seem to be his strong point. Yeah, not a chess player. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> He moved his family back to Indiana, and he worked for a flour mill as a ferry boat operator at an insurance agency. He sold lighting systems for farms. He was the secretary of the Chamber of Commerce in Columbus, and he was also a Michelin tire salesman. In what time frame this was, I don't know, but that's a, that's a lot of jobs. So in 1926, he lost his job as a Michelin tire salesman in the wildest way. So his son had a Model T and it had to be pulled to start sometimes. And so he would just tie it up to his car, drive it along and get it to start. One time when they did this, they went over a bridge over Hickman Creek. It was a swinging bridge that was originally made for horse-drawn carriages, which if you don't know, are just a little bit lighter than two 1900s automobiles. So the the bridge broke, if you don't see where this is going. And they fell 42 feet. They were both in their cars and they somehow managed to survive. The safety features on those vehicles were not super great, but I mean. There's a whole half inch of padding on this seat. <laughs> well, it's an airbag. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty wild. That's pretty far to fall. That is. That's because uh, I think 10 feet is a story. Yeah. So that's that's over four stories into a creek. Oh, God, that sounds horrifying. Uh, if it was into a creek, that might have been why they survived. It doesn't say how big this creek was, though. No. I don't know. I don't know. But they lived. If it was just a rock bottom or something, they definitely <laughs> probably... I don't know. Uh, humans are weirdly resilient. That's true. And also weirdly not at the same time. Yeah. It's just a roll of the dice. Yep. So the cars didn't make it, though, is the problem. And in order to be a Michelin tire salesman... 
you have to have something that you put Michelin tires on. You can't put them on a bicycle. What? Yeah. So he got fired. After 15 years in Indiana, Harlan bought a struggling gas station in Kentucky. And he said, quote, up to this time, I'd always work for myself. Whoops. <laughs> I can't read. He said, quote, up to this time, I'd always worked for someone else. This service station was the first opportunity I had to control my own destiny. He seemed like it, it was actually pretty good at it, you know, because he would stay open later. He would open earlier. He would wash people's windows, fix their tires, all sorts of stuff. Because of his excellent customer service, he became a really popular gas station and it was doing super well. And then <laughs> the Great Depression happened. So he had to sell. <laughs> the good thing about this, though, was that Shell, you know Shell, yes? Yes. Okay. They knew how well the gas station was doing, and so they hired him to run a different gas station in Corbin. And there were two other gas stations in this town at the time. The first one was run by a man named Matt Stewart, and the second by a man named, just it just says McVeigh. I could, I could not find if that's his first name, if it's last name. Maybe it's his only name. It's just McVeigh, like a cryptid. Hmm. Harlan described McVeigh as, quote, one of them old mountain boys. He had a pet pig that hung out by the service station and kept water in a puddle so the pig could wallow in it. McVeigh had the best location out of all three of them. He was right off the highway, so he got a lot of traffic. And Harland was very nice to him. He even convinced Shell to give him a second air compressor so that he could give it to McVeigh just because he didn't have one. So that was really nice. Or it was just he was just playing the long game because... I don't know. I mean, up to this point, I don't think that old Harland is very much of a long game player. You're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, so when McVeigh retired, he just gave he, he gave Harlan the new location or that location. Harlan accepted and moved into the new location and he started painting ads on barns for his new service station. He said that he liked it because hunters were always shooting up road signs, but they weren't going to shoot up a barn because it's likely there'd be a mule behind it or something. So he painted all these barn signs and one day he finds out that Matt Stewart, his competitor, was going around painting over his signs. And he was pissed. He was so mad about this that he told Matt Stewart that he was, quote, going to blow his goddamn brains out. He has a tiny bit of an anger problem. I mean, he did try to beat up someone with a chair. I apparently successfully beat somebody up with a chair. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because he was charged. Jeez. Well, so one day Harlan is meeting with a couple of managers from Shell and he gets word that Matt Stewart's painting over one of his signs again. So they do the reasonable thing and they call the cops. Not true. They didn't do that at all. They grab their guns and they go to the place where he is painting over this sign. And so when Matt sees these guys coming, he hops down off the ladder and starts shooting at them. And he ends up killing one of the managers. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And um, so they they were shooting back and they got Matt in the shoulder and he was taken to prison for murder. So. Uh, so Harlan got his location, too. He sure did. Hey. <laughs> now he doesn't have any competition, but someone is dead. Um, I mean, you know, sacrifices must be made. 
That's right. The 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 service station Clear. business is a is a really cutthroat one. Apparently, I, and I mean, obviously, Shell has not suffered. No, <laughs> but Matt Stewart was later murdered in jail, and it is just a rumor that the manager's family paid off one of the guards to kill him. Huh. So interesting. Yes, prison justice. Harlan was now the only gas station in town, and his business strategies are extreme, I must say, but they seem to work. Uh, his gas station was once again a big head. I don't think that's what I meant to write. His gas station was once again a big head. I think I meant hit. <laughs> in 1932, Harlan Jr., uh, his son, unfortunately died secondary to tonsillitis. Yikes. Yeah. He survived a 42-foot fall, but tonsillitis took him out. What a time. What a time. And he was really upset about this, and so he started doing a lot of volunteer work around town. He was uh, involved in a bunch of different organizations, and he made a lot of friends among the poorer population in the town. After he made friends with all these people, he started his own little side hustle of delivering babies for people that couldn't afford a real doctor. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he runs a gas station. He mu- he he must know. Was he a barber? No. <laughs> it it doesn't even say that he learned anything via letters. God. I was delivered by Colonel Sanders. Um, he does say that at least one of those babies in them hills were named after him. So, one of them babies in them hills. One of them babies in them hills. But uh, this is probably my favorite quote of this entire story that I'm telling you. He said, quote, I got me a lard bucket and put my shears and gauze and Vaseline and kept it ready. When I got the call, I'd grab it and take off. I at least had one baby in them hills named after me. <laughs> That's really who I trust. The grab man with the lard, lard bucket. bucket. Oh, yep. man. <laughs> Uh, see, I, I just, I don't trust an OB doctor without a lard bucket. Yeah, I mean, I... How do you grease up the baby? I, I hear they come pre-lubricated. <laughs> Was he using the same lard later on in his restaurant? Is that, is that part of the secret recipe? Oh, God. <laughs> Stem cells. Stem cells. He did eventually quit delivering children after something absolutely tragic happened horrible he delivered a baby that was conceived out of wedlock (gasps) no yeah he couldn't live with the filth that was on his hands now so i'm not joking he that's why he quit he was so disgusted i mean his mother was a professional christian so that's true it's it's in the family harlan learned that there was a corrupt cop arresting tourists on false charges in corbin And then the judge would convict them and they would split the money. Harlan knew that this would be bad for business. So he made a bunch of flyers that explained how to ask for a change of venue because he knows about law. And the county attorney sued him for practicing law without a license, but he wasn't really practicing. He was just giving advice. So he requested a change of venue and uh, all the charges were dropped. (laughs) (laughs) Full circle. So, though, though this is comical, it didn't stop the corruption. And what do you think is the next logical thing to do? 
for for old Colonel Sanders. Yeah. I, I mean, from everything else, I don't like start burning cop cars to the ground, <laughs> burn the police station down. And that's when the Corbin riots started. Now, this one's actually pretty mild out of all of them. He put up a 16 foot sign outside his gas station that said, avoid Corbin and Whitley County. Constable and fee grabbers may get you. Walter Ray Smith County attorney receives 40 percent of all fines. I mean, <laughs> out of everything, that is the calmest reaction he's had so far so far he didn't beat anybody with a chair again yet yet (laughs) so smith ended up suing harland which was settled out of court the newspaper picked it up though and harland became famous (gasps) yeah so um a lot more people started coming to the gas station because there wasn't a lot of interesting things going on back then (laughs) so they wanted to see the guy who was who was out in the cops and harland decided with all this extra all these extra people coming in he would start to add food to his service station so that truckers would only have to make one stop because remember his service station was right next to the highway and so he got a lot of truckers and uh so this would really make harlan the grandfather of gas station food like roller food you know how much i love a tornado it's it's kind of gross I love them so much. I worked on an ambulance for several years, so it really just refined my palate to the finery of gas station food. One time, I ate gas station sushi. I have done the same. Yeah, I was fine. Yeah, my butthole was never the same. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I still have a tapeworm. Oh, man. Well, I don't know. I probably... Maybe that's all just tapeworm. Yeah, maybe maybe my gut is just backed up tapeworm. I don't need to lose weight. I just got to lose this tapeworm. What a nightmare, though. When he was adding, decided to add food, it doesn't say like what he started with, but eventually he cleared out a room in the gas station and he brought in his family's dining room table and their six chairs. So (laughs) a very fancy establishment. I don't think that he ever bought a new dining room table for his family. Still mad at his wife. You gave all of our furniture away, so I'm, I'm taking this one. <laughs> Before you give it away. Yeah, okay, keep an eye on it. <laughs> uh, so he cooked what he knew, which was biscuits, green beans, and fried chicken. People went ape shit for this fried chicken. It was apparently super fucking good. And I, I, I really wish that I had the opportunity to try Colonel Sanders' original fried chicken. Because, as we'll talk about later, but this isn't like a well-kept secret. He sold the company a long time ago, and the, the recipes changed significantly. He eventually shut down the gas station and just opened up the Harland Cafe. In 1935, the Kentucky governor gave Harlan the honorary title of Kentucky Colonel for his contribution to the state's culinary whatever. So <laughs> that's how he got that. He didn't get it for his four months in the army. Oh. He didn't, didn't make it all the way up to Colonel. But apparently that was kind of one of those things that they just gave out on the reg. It was like employee of the month for Kentucky. So... Huh. He was just kind of whatever about it. Citizen of the month. Pretty much. He was he was pretty underwhelmed by it and forgot that it existed. He didn't go by Colonel at this point. 
1937, he bought the lot next door to his, uh, to, uh, what is it? The Harlan Cafe and built an 11 room hotel there. It was called the Harlan Court and Cafe, and it was wildly successful. He seems to do pretty well whenever he just kind of manages himself. One of the reasons that... (laughs) Yeah, because he can't out and then fire himself. (laughs) So one of the reasons he was really successful was because he had a little bit of an oddity, which was uh, a pet crow that he bought off one of the, the first people that stayed at the hotel. I think I've heard about this crow. Yeah, I've told you about this crow. Have you? Mm -hmm. He liked the crow's antics and decided to buy it. Uh, The crow's name was Jim Crow. Oh. Yeah, so that's something. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... I don't know if Colonel... I don't think Sanders named the bird because he bought it off of someone. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not... I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so customers would put pennies in the cuffs of their pants so that Jim the Crow would chase them around and try to get the pennies out. And if he couldn't get the pennies or they wouldn't give it to him, he'd peck at their ankles. <laughs> and people fucking loved that shit. They were like, oh, it's so funny. Also, the Crow kind of hated women. Just don't know why. Wow. Yeah. Racist and sexist. Yeah. <laughs> full package there i mean everyone knows that about crows that's fair so unfortunately he ended up having to get rid of the crow because one time while a customer was in the cafe the crow broke into their room a lotion oceans (laughs) oceans 11 style (laughs) even saying (laughs) the crow broke into their room and (laughs) unfortunately there happened to be another crow in the room and a fight to the death ensued, destroying a lot of the patron's belongings. It turns out there was not another crow, but simply a mirror in the room. <laughs> uh, so Harlan had to get rid of, of the crow. But he did have a backup. He had a donkey that he kept out back, and he would bring guests to the back so that uh, they could watch it uh, bray or, or hee-haw. And people loved that. People will fucking watch anything. Yeah. Uh, it's not like Netflix wasn't really around at the time. So. <laughs> Watching a donkey get after it was just, oh, that's a. That's a sentence. That's a sentence. <laughs> if we're going to go watch the donkey show out back. Ooh. <laughs> In 1939, a fire broke out in the restaurant and it spread to the motel. But great news, they were both insured, so it was okay. Harlan decided that the motel just wasn't as lucrative as the restaurant because people needed food more than they needed sleep. He said something along the lines of you could only sleep a man once, but you can feed him three times a day. So he he got rid of the hotel and just decided to make a really large restaurant. And he built one that could seat 142 people, and it was a massive success. So things were going great, except Harland was still pretty salty at his wife for that one time she tore the house down and ran off with the kids. You know, that little lover's spat they had. Yeah. He said, quote, her leaving me just because I'd lost a job had a cut in effect when our love was young and tender. I guess I never really got over it. In 1948, after 39 years of marriage, they got divorced. Harlan's comments about the next events are, well, 
expected, if, if I'm being honest. He said, quote, I never intended to marry again, but after a year and a half, I began to lose buttons on my coat. I could sew them back on, but then my socks needed darning, and I couldn't darn socks, so I realized I needed a wife. Claudia had been one of our earlier employees. I had the occasion to observe her, and I knew how dependable she was and what her life was and how industrious she was. So I proposed to Claudia. And now my socks don't have holes. What a romantic story. What are those, uh, what are those dime store novels uh, with the guy with the long hair? What? What was it? Fabio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's basically the plot of a Fabio novel. So that's Harlan's version of what happened. His daughter, Margaret. This bitch has some slippery hands, because let me tell you, she likes to spill the tea. (laughs) (laughs) She said that Claudia was actually his mistress for years. Like uh, his uh, side of mashed potatoes and gravy, if you will. Gross. They were together even before she'd come to work for Harland. So a while, because she was one of his first employees. She said, quote, the peace of our whole family was altered by their affair. Mother refused to accept that she alone could not satisfy her father's physical needs, which from the very beginning of their marriage had seemed excessive to her. So, um. So Harland's a bit of a horn dog. Yeah. <laughs> but why does she know that? Why are they talking to their children about this? I don't know. My mom and I talk about some weird shit. Listen, sweetie, I just, I didn't fuck your father enough, you know? And let me tell you, whenever we first got together, he just kept going after it. Insatiable, that man was. (laughs) Would you like a sandwich? (laughs) (laughs) So, remember how I said that Harland loved to cuss? Yes. Okay. Well, he decided to basically go to swearing rehab. And uh, he went to a swearing rehab. Pretty much. Not really, but kind of. He went to a church convention. I don't know what that means. Also, it was in Australia. What the fuck? Yeah. Which seems a bit excessive to me. Can you do you not just have self-control to where you can, I don't know, cut backs back on the gosh darns and the dang it's. Apparently not. Apparently not. You have to go all the way to Australia. Um, so all the way to Australia for an anti-swearing for for, for Yeah, for a, a church convention. I don't... I don't... I, d- I, don't I have know. no idea. I went to church for a long time. I didn't. <laughs> not Still a lot of... I got a good street going. <laughs> not a lot of other things to do around here, so... That's fair. I, I don't think I've ever been to a church convention. Anyway... On his way to Australia, he stopped by Salt Lake City to visit a man that he met named Harmond. And it was there that he cooked his chicken for the first time outside of his own restaurant. Harmon loved it and convinced Harlan to let him license the recipe. So Harland would get four cents for every piece of chicken sold. So kind of like franchising. Yeah. Um, and so he did. And on his way back... From Australia, he's all cured from his cousin, I guess. I don't know. On his way back, Harlan stopped by Harmon's restaurant, and he saw a huge sign that read, Kentucky Fried Chicken, with the ever-famous slogan, It's Finger Lickin' Good. 
So that is where that came from. In 1953, the interstate system was put into place, and the highway caused traffic to bypass Corbin entirely. And uh, that's, remember, where Harlan's restaurant was. And so he lost over half of his business. And it's so much so that he decided to sell. And he really couldn't find a buyer at first, when just a year prior, he was offered over $200,000. Now he couldn't find anyone to buy it he ended up having to sell it at auction in 1956 for seventy five thousand dollars he was 65 and retired at this time and he was living off of social security which we all know is not a ton of money what about his four cents per piece of chicken i'm actually about to get on that he saw potential in franchising (laughs) he'd done a couple of other things um like the the licensing but uh, he decided to really put more effort into it and he drove across the country to promote his business and he'd cook chicken and his different restaurants and would usually sleep in the back of his car because it's not like he had a bunch of money and he really needed to start making himself stand out and kind of make his own brand and that's when he remembered the honorary title of kentucky colonel and so he started by started going by colonel sanders And this is also when he decided on a costume change for some reason. And he started sporting a goatee, using a cane, and wearing a white suit with a thin black tie. Why this was the choice, I have no idea. But now it's iconic. Yep. Though he was overall known as a nice guy, he also had horrible anger issues. And would fly off the handle sometimes. He would often yell at people in restaurants, which after working in the service industry, I I think that's kind of just what old people do, you know, (laughs) like after you reach a certain age, you just start yelling at uh, your server. One time he was served undercooked eggs. And when he sent them back to be cooked more, the cook just flipped them over, which is kind of a big fuck you, I guess. (laughs) Harland was so mad that he took the plate of eggs and walked it back into the kitchen and was yelling at the cook. He's like, you think that you're smarter than me flipping them eggs? And so he chucks the plate of eggs at the cook and it hits him in the chest. So the cook grabs a knife and jumps over the counter and is going to stab him. And so Harland grabs a stool and starts backing out of the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah. God, I feel... I feel like I've seen this happen in a Waffle House. Like, <laughs> It's like we're the same person. Because my next line is literally, that's just a normal Tuesday at a Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Haven't you thrown a chair at someone in a Waffle House? I did. There was a guy that came in to rob the Waffle House at gunpoint. And I picked up the chair and threw it at him and hit him in the head with it and knocked him out. Good job, baby. Was he arrested? Did he die? Oh, yeah. He didn't. I I don't know. But uh, (laughs) the cops came and got him. Local hero. I don't know. Did they pay for your your meal? I mean, I'd been going to that Waffle House so much, I didn't have to pay for food anymore by the time I went up there. Oh, that's nice. But no, they they told me to run off. (laughs) Like the waitress was like, cops are on the way. You should get out of here. (laughs) Just in case. Cheese it. Which, you know, looking back, if I hadn't managed to knock that dude out, he probably would have just turned and shot me. Probably. Yeah. So. But. 
I'm surprised he lived because I can see you. You strong man. Uh, fairly. Yeah. I got a decent arm on me. <laughs> those chairs ain't light. No. Was it like a regular chair or was it like a like a booth chair? No, it was a regular chair. I kind of wish I could have seen this, though. I've seen some wild stuff go down at a Waffle House. I want to know why he decided to rob that place. Was the $45 that they had in the register really worth? I don't know, man. It was, it was worth like a chair one to the of head. the few places that's open at 3 or 4 in the morning. That's fair. He's probably on drugs. Oh, Not the fun ones. No, no. So, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken spread across the country. In Indiana, there was a young cook. His name was Dave Thomas. And he, uh, Harlan took him under his wing. Thomas actually was the one who invented the rotating buckets that were outside of Kentucky Fried Chicken forever. Huh. Yeah. So, from, from cook to engineer. And Thomas actually turned out to be uh, pretty solid when it came to business. He actually helped save a few failing KFCs, and he used his compensation from that to start his own fast food chain. Wendy's. Yes. You got it. Yep. It's named after his daughter. <laughs> and By 1960, there were over 200 KFCs in the U.S., and by 63, there were over 600 KFC outlets in North America. In October 1963, Harland was approached by his buddy, uh, John Y. Brown Jr. He wanted Harland to sell sell KFC. And Harland was like, no, no. But Brown convinced him that the business would fail when he died and his daughter wouldn't get anything. And this way, at least he could pass on money. You know, the substitute for love. Brown did something kind of skeevy. He went around to all the franchises in the country and told them that they need to convince Harlan to sell. And he did this by offering them stock in the company when it sold. And so now Harlan's thinking all of the people in the franchises think that it's a good idea for him to sell genuinely. And so he, he does. He said that he could tell the company was getting too big for him. So it was time to sell. I wish I had the issue of making too much money. Yeah. Dagnabbit, I'm making all this money. <sighs> Better get out while I still can. In 1969, he, colts, he sold KFC for $2 million. Today, the company is worth $8.5 billion and sees over $22.6 billion in sales. According to Forbes magazine, it is one of the top 100 most valuable brands in the world. After he sold, he did stay on as a shareholder and a brand ambassador for $40,000 a year, which doesn't sound like a lot now, but at the time it would have translated to about $360,000 a year, which isn't bad. Goddamn. Yeah. And, and so it isn't it, bad. Get the fuck yeah. out of here. <laughs> so he didn't like not owning his own company. So he ended up trading his stock so that he could have control of KFC, KFC Canada. Um, which I didn't know that they were separate. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And Brown created a national ad campaign for KFC and it starred Colonel Sanders and he ended up making a ton more money and became a philanthropist. And then he philanthropist. There you go. What did I say? Philanthropist. (laughs) Philanthropist. (laughs) 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 And then, 
he got super religious. He yeah. got super religious? Yeah. <laughs> like, way more religious. How? His mom was a, pro- <laughs> a professional Christian. He was actually baptized in the Jordan River, which is pretty cool. I wonder if he wore his, his white suit for that. <laughs> it have been brown when he came back out. Right. He was close friends with people such as Billy Graham and Jerry Falwell. So the big names. Well, those are televangelists, right? Yep. Ugh. They sure are. True scum. Ugh. Yeah. My grandfather idolized Billy Graham like he was the Lord reincarnate. Anyway, so he was super religious and he went to the doctor at one point for an impacted bowel. Yeah. You know what that is? Such a tight ass he wasn't pooping. Yeah. He's literally full of shit. So. Which, working in the medical field, let me tell you, an impacted bowel looks so painful. It looks horribly painful because people are, that's like, they they give you fentanyl for that. Like morphine or fentanyl because you're screaming. Yikes. Yeah. Um, or like uh, an obstructed bowel, more than an impacted bowel. But one can lead to the other. Anyway, enough fun poop talk. <laughs> so after they cleaned them all out and everything, the doctor found a polyp. And if you read Harlan's autobiography, as I did. You what can... is it called? What's the name of his autobiography? Hold on, let me make sure that I... It better be finger-licking good. It is Harlan Sanders, the inspirational life story of Colonel Sanders. Face on the finger-licking good chicken. Inspirational life stories. It's too much. It's way too much. It should just be finger-licking good. It should have. The story of Colonel Harlan Sanders. (laughs) Sounds like a porn. Finger-licking good. I mean... (laughs) Um, So the doctor found a polyp, and in his autobiography, it says that he cured that polyp with prayer. Huh. Yeah. So he died shortly thereafter of a mysterious illness? No, actually, he lived for quite a while. But uh, I just, that's what God really focuses on. Rich white men. Yeah, rich white men. And I mean, he was friends with Billy Graham, so he had a main line. I know that there are children living on the streets, but hear me out. Can you ring up uh, old G-Man? Tell him I got a, I got a bump in my butt. It went away. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> in 1968, George Wallace, who was a notoriously racist Alabama politician considered sanders his running mate for his third party pro-segregation presidential campaign Mm. yeah sanders daughter claimed that he liked wallace for all of his non-racist policies so huh yeah jim the crow starting to make a lot more sense yeah right uh in 1971 brown sold kfc to the people who distribute smirnoff Uh, And Sanders was really mad. Uh, One, because alcohol is the devil. And two, a lesser point that we're not even really going to mention. He didn't make any money off of it because he sold all of his stocks. (laughs) But alcohol is the devil. (laughs) According to Harland, this is when KFC really took a nosedive. Because all they cared about was money and not quality. Which is the biggest shock of this whole story. More shocking even than that one guy who died over a barn sign. 
1974, he sued the company, saying that they weren't sticking to his secret recipe and his reputation was suffering for it because he was still the spokesperson for the company. He is the face of KFC. The suit was settled out of court and Harland received $1 million, which is about $5.6 million in today's money. They did not go back to using his secret recipe and stuff like that, though. So <laughs> that, that was just I'm sorry money. And in 1975, Harland opened a new restaurant called Colonel Harland's Dinner House. KFC was pissed and they threatened to sue. So when I say KFC, I mean basically the people who distribute Smirnoff. I, I meant to write down the name of the company, but I just didn't. So <laughs> anyway, we're just going to refer to them as KFC. They were pissed and they threatened to sue on, I guess, the grounds that the name was too similar. So he changed the name to Colonel's Ladies Dinner, ha Colonel's Ladies Dinner House. Yeah. Which sounds like a place where you can get your hands on some thighs for $1.99, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so greasy. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so KFC sued anyway, and Harlan countersued for $122 million, And the case was settled out of court, and I could not find what happened other than the name being changed again to Claudia Sanders Dinner House, which I believe still operates today, which is probably someplace where you could actually go to try the original recipe. Huh. Yeah. It, I Road believe it's in, it's in Canada, I think. Oh, never mind. <laughs> well, maybe. I, I wouldn't know. mind going to Canada. I drove to Texas from Alaska, so I feel like Canada... It's just a little bit further. It's not. Not further. I meant it's a little bit shorter. Yeah. I used the wrong word. <laughs> Went like almost the longest way you can across the entire northern American continent. You did. Almost. And how many days did you do this in? Six. Six? Could have done it in four. But the pinion seal on my Jeep went out. So. Oh, no. <laughs> what a nightmare. And a Jeep so comfortable to ride oh, yeah. cross country in with all it, of your uh, stuff and I, how many dogs? Yeah, two dogs, all my stuff. I had no no air conditioning. You didn't have air conditioning? No. It's I, an Alaska Jeep. That's fair. Yeah. I had 240 AC. <laughs> two windows down, 40 miles an hour. <coughs> but also the energy drink that I got in the Yukon Territory. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck was in that. What was it, it called? Energy drink. <laughs> It was like a, a an opaque silver bottle with a pink label that said energy drink. And it was a liter. And I drank like half of it and I could fucking see sounds. Jesus. It was incredible. I was up for two and a half days, which is why I made such good time getting down here. <laughs> I just didn't sleep. I drove for, I think, uh, I, I think I drove for 56 hours straight. Oh my God. Yeah. <sighs> wow energy drink just bouncing that other leg yep just like chain smoking music trying, turned all the way up yep blaring music weaving in and out or weaving around on the tiny mountain roads through the canadian rockies <laughs> i almost hit so many goats what yeah there's just mountain goats <laughs> on the side of the road it's wild oh my gosh and caribou there was a whole herd of caribou on the road at one point and it just like 
putt at like 10 miles an hour and just honk the horn and get him to get out of the way. Oh, and they give zero fucks. Yeah. They probably just look at you. This guy. To be fair, the caribou were there first. I don't care. <laughs> you don't caribou? Uh, get out. No, I pay rent here. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Carry on then. <laughs> Um, so he was still part of KFC even after the lawsuit. He was still on as an active spokesperson and he traveled the world well into his 80s. At 87, he testified against mandatory retirement. And apparently he was still taking care of business inside the bedroom too. Uh, his daughter, Margaret, said that once during a conversation, there was like a quiet bit. You know, how there's just lulls in conversations. And he just blurted out that he continued to have sex well past his 80th birthday. Good job. If my dad ever said something like that to me, I would instantly put him in a home. Millionaire or no. Like, all right, Pop, time for you to go. But like, just a lull in conversation with your daughter. Do you know I was still fucking? (laughs) Her parents had no boundaries. Poor Margaret. Clearly. (laughs) In the late 1970s, KFC's Uh, chief of public relations who was a black man uh, said that harland liked to play a joke when they traveled together he stated that when they would travel anywhere harland would sit up front with the driver and he would sit in the back and where when they got wherever they were going to go harland would jump out and open the door for him and he'd grab all the bags and he'd open every door in the hotel for him once a doorman said i know the guy who opened the door you're Colonel Sanders, but who's that other fella? And Harlan said, that's my son, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> so <laughs> just, well, just a little prankster. Uh, when I first heard about that story, I was like, wow, this is going to be horribly racist. And it was less so. Yeah. So from all accounts, they were good friends. December 16th. Still, still uncomfortable. Still uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable. Uh, In December 16, 1980, Harlan Sanders died of pneumonia. And they deep fried his corpse. They did not do that. Okay. I was like... (laughs) No, but uh, I think that it was on display somewhere for... Not not his corpse, but like his, his grave is somewhere fancy. I don't know. I didn't write it down, so it doesn't exist to me anymore. If it's not right in front of me, it doesn't exist. We should go leave a bucket of KFC chicken on his headstone. We should. Guys, subscribe to our Patreon so you can make this happen. Yeah, we'll send pictures. (laughs) We'll send pictures. There'll be a vlog of the road trip to Colonel Sanders' grave. This actually sounds like a really good time. I want to (laughs) go. And this kind of makes me want some fried chicken. More than fried chicken, though, I want mashed potatoes, gravy, and, like, corn. Or, like, one of those bowls that they have Mm -hmm. where it's, like, mashed potatoes, gravy, corn, and chicken. Sounds fire. You're just hungry. (laughs) I am. We just ate not too long ago. Well, I guess we ate at, like, four. So it's been a while. (laughs) Anyway. So right now, uh, KFC is the fourth largest fast food restaurant in the world, uh, including Bangkok. Um, KFC Bangkok? KFC Bangkok, kind of. 
So I, I heard this story on another podcast and I just wanted to also share it because it's fucking ridiculous. So it was like KFC. They had the same menu, the same color scheme, blah, blah, blah. But it was called Hitler's. And they just replaced Colonel Sanders' face with Hitler's face. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently the chicken's decent. Uh, yeah. I'm sure they don't leave it in the oven too long. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Homie. What? <laughs> I didn't name the place. You didn't, but apparently Hitler's like a big deal in Bangkok, like visually. I've never been, so I don't know. But yeah, Uh, KFC was pretty mad and they sued for like some kind of defamation of character likeness, whatever. I don't know. And they changed the name. So it's super different now. It's much better. It's now called Hlers. Yeah. (laughs) So nowadays, the image of KFC's spokesperson has taken a wild turn. I'm going to give you a couple of uh, things to guess, okay? Um, Is Colonel Sanders now A, a pro wrestler in a new anime, B, the newest sex symbol, one to rival Betty Boop, or C, a criminal in a comic series that is doing all that he has to do to free his family from his arch nemesis, Ronald McDonald. What? Nowadays, the image of KFC's spokesperson. Is it the Ronald McDonald one? That no. was That was a what of shock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. He's now a sex symbol. That makes me Un- deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, I have pictures also, by the way. Ugh. <laughs> so uh did you pull up a picture or picture of hitler's yeah here you want to see it oh you, you googled it yeah i have one saved down here <laughs> i forgot that i have That's it because i meant wild. to show you <laughs> here's one from fox news it's like kfc may sue bangkok restaurant <laughs> yikes oh my god so <laughs> over the last several years KFC has deliberately positioned Colonel Sanders as like this object of desire. And so uh, Jill Stowers, who is the associate manager of digital marketing in KFC US, said, quote, we are always looking for ways to reach new audiences and making uh, the Colonel a part of pop pop culture in unexpected but authentic ways. Jill, I don't know how to tell you this. I don't think you hit the mark. I don't think this is authentic at all. Um, he is <laughs> a couple different things, too. So in 2017, the romance novella, 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 novella called Tender Wings of Desire was released. <laughs> they didn't call it finger looking good, though. Oh, Tender Wings of Desire. Yes. Um. So the cover features a buff Colonel Sanders holding uh, Madeline, who is a suburban mom dressed in a cardigan and blue jeans, in his arms. Behind them is a castle surrounded by lapping waves. To the side, a bucket of fried chicken. The 90-page novella was described by Ad Weekly as uncomfortably good, with lines like, 
as Madeline lied in Colonel Sanders' arms, she could not help but feel that she finally belonged somewhere, to someone. She knew at that exact moment what it meant to feel love. Would you like to see a picture of the... uh... Yes. Okay. Buff Colonel Sanders. Yeah, it's this middle one here. Well. Yeah. They also have um, kind of like a VR game, I think, um, where I didn't write this down, but I, I, re- I remember what this says. Oh, wait, no, I did write it down. I did write it down. Okay. So earlier this year, KFC unleashed, unleashed a CGI virtual influencer of Colonel Sanders. And it's styled like a guy who would take you for fried chicken and then leave you on red. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, fuck boy Sanders. He has this whole thing, which is where, like, he talks about his recipes for success, which is a tattoo that he has on his chiseled abs. I also have that picture. It's this one here. Don't you just want to get life advice from buff Colonel Sanders? From fuckboy Sanders? Yikes. (laughs) Oh, you want to see a picture of him with Jim Crow? Jim the Crow? Yeah, Jim the Crow. The the Crow's name was Jim Crow. But, Uh. yeah. Jim Crow the Crow. Yeah, and, and lastly, there's a new game available on steam and this is something that i never thought that i would see i wish i didn't have to see and i'm gonna put a link to it everywhere i can this game is called i love you colonel sanders a finger licking good dating simulator it's available for free on steam Oh, oh by the way this isn't just some weird independent game maker who made this because that would make sense kfc produced this fucking game (laughs) people with degrees that work for a multi-million dollar company billion billion multi-billion dollar company created a colonel sanders dating game on steam and for those of you that are patrons you can watch us stream it on Twitch yes. <laughs> next week. <laughs> I'm so excited. I hope I can win his heart. Or at least a bucket of chicken. Oh, that's the real prize. <laughs> so, I'm going to read off the description because it is just gold. Welcome to the most delicious dating simulator ever created. Do you have what it takes to be the business partner and win the heart of the most famous chicken salesman of all time? Play to find out. Go ahead. Colonel Sanders is waiting. And then the next little bit says, I love you, Colonel Sanders. A finger licking good dating game simulator follows you, a promising culinary student, as you try to date your classmate. Colonel Sanders. Throughout your journey, you'll be faced with life-changing decisions that will affect your cha- uh, your chances of friendship and love. But be careful. Your choices have real consequences and real animated characters' feelings at stake. Um, by the way, the, the person who's teaching this culinary class is a corgi. His name is Professor Dog. Oh. That makes sense, right? Yeah. So the features of this game are nine lovable characters, multiple 
hours of playthrough. Dateable Colonel Sanders. Fucking... Someone's be, been reading my Christmas list. Be still my beating heart. <laughs> if you eat enough KFC, it will. Fair. A secret ending. Shh. Secret recipes. Double shh. <laughs> <laughs> Cooking, <laughs> Cooking battles. Battle battles. Earn a degree from a fictional culinary school. 11 herbs and spices. Cute miniature food. Officially created by KFC. No really so (laughs) wow yeah so that's what i got for you um my information was mostly taken from wikipedia uh various websites as some other podcasts uh like two or three different ones and then the inspirational life story of colonel sanders uh face on the finger licking good chicken which you can buy um on amazon for 99 cents or you can preview it and um, get it sent to your Kindle for like a day. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. An American legend. An American legend. That just... The, oh, <sighs> man. What, what a life. What a life. What a legacy. What do you think he would do if he found out today... If he if he found out that KFC made him into like a softcore H game, yeah. I mean, honestly, though, he was fucking past his eighty third birthday. I mean, he'd probably be stoked about it. Probably. <laughs> He's still going after death. Ugh. Gross. I made myself uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm really excited to see. Uh, to hear about your person next week another american legend another american legend we're doubling up on american legends yes. a double header if you will yes <laughs> um make sure that you follow us on twitter which is ywbf pod follow us on instagram which is just your weird best friends it's where i post all the pictures up we have a facebook group that you can like and we have a bunch of people that like the page, but there's not really a lot of interaction that goes on with it. So if you are a part of the Facebook page, feel free to like post something, leave a comment, you know, chat together, all that like, fun stuff. Comment. Yeah. And follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere where you can get a podcast now because I've really spread it out. And please, pretty, pretty, please, if I can ask one thing of you, if you have an iPhone or an Apple product, anything that has access to Apple Podcasts. If you will find us, give us a five-star review, leave a comment. Um, And I don't think that we're available to have subscribers yet, but if you'll follow us on Apple Podcasts, that helps a lot. Um, Because then, yeah, it's free. It would really help us out because Apple does a lot of things for people that are new they have a new and noteworthy category and if we could get into that we a lot more people would be able to see us and that would be great because we would love to do this don't forget we still have our patreon yeah we do so go check that out the link is uh on the spotify description i believe yes it is yeah you uh, not subscribe to us on patreon (laughs) support us on on patreon that way you can Watch us play this game. <laughs> yeah, if you really want to see this this Colonel Sanders H game and us just 
really enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so Go excited. Go check out the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. If we get enough patrons, we'll be able to take a trip to leave a, a bucket of, of chicken on, on Colonel Sanders' grave. Yep. Yeah. But until next time. Yeah. Stay weird. Yeah. Bye.